0: Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. There are always problems in church. That's a true statement. Do you know why there are always problems in church? Because there's people in church. That's the good news. The bad news is there are always problems. The good news is, is that the problems are because there's people in church. Do you know that when the church was closed during COVID, there were very few problems that we had to face? <laughs> we had uh, Paul Spuler, Paul and Kathy Spuler at our seniors group, and Kathy uh, is uh, the daughter of Brother Pagano, who was one of the pastors here uh, back, back in the day. And they were visiting the church one time, and and I had turned the lights off. Um, And for just a split second, she thought it was her dad. Because her dad, as the pastor of the church, was always going around flipping lights off, too. And I said, well, the electric is still not uh, free. And so it was was funny how we laughed about that. But listen, every church will have its difficulties. Every church will have its problems because there are people in the church, and none of us are perfect. That includes myself, which you all know. And I'm looking at some of you that have the biggest, I'm not, that are And I don't mean people are problem. I mean we just have, uh, churches have problems. None of us are perfect. The early church had problems. We say, oh, we need to get back to the first century church. Really? The Corinthian church were a bunch of drunks that ate all the food at communion before the working class could come and get their food. Right? The, the Corinthian church was using the gifts of the spirit to accomplish their own purposes. So be careful when we say we want to go back to the original church. Uh, that might not be ideal either. We want to be the church God wants us to be now. That's, that's really the answer to that. But the early church had problems. The modern church has problems. The coming church will have problems. But in problems, as it relates to church, there are two types of problems. One is problems of growth and one is problems of stagnation. And believe me when I tell you in 35 years in ministry, the problems of growth are much better than the problems of stagnation. And I use the term stagnation on purpose because if you've ever seen a pond that didn't have any inflow or outflow, it becomes stagnated, and it starts to stink, and nothing good grows in it. And the unfortunate reality is is that some churches can be stagnant, and they stink, and nothing good comes out of it. Now, I'm not saying that's our church. In fact, I have nothing but great to say about our church today. But I am going to deal with some of these things because that's where we're at. I preached on Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and now 6. So we're going to look at some of these things. But the problems of growth are much better and much easier to deal with. Uh, Than the problems of stagnation and I'll save that whole class the difference between growth and stagnation. I'll save that for another time, but the problems in Acts that they were facing in Acts chapter 6 were problems of growth. What I want to do this morning is walk us through one of these problems in the early church and they and what they faced and the pattern that's established there of how we can solve problems not just in church but in our life and in our lives. The last time I preached, our takeaway was the people of God pursuing the purposes of God are unstoppable. This week, the takeaway is going to be the people of God solving the problems of people through the power of the Holy Spirit are unstoppable. The people of God solving the problems of people through the power of of the Holy Spirit. And we're just going to walk through Acts chapter 6. If you want to turn there, it's not up on the screen. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Can you imagine our ancestors in the 20s and 30s looking at the technology we have today? It would be like science fiction. Yeah, witchcraft. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Acts chapter Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Watch the beginning. In those days when the number of disciples was what? Increasing. See, the problems here were problems of growth. The Hellenistic Jews. Now, I'm going to spend quite a bit of time explaining the difference between Hellenistic and Hebraic. But you have to understand it or you're not going to get the whole point of it. All right? So I don't want it to seem like a lecture, but you have to have this knowledge or else you're going to miss uh, the problem-solving. So the Hellenistic Jews, among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. We've we've established already the problems that they're facing in Acts chapter six are problems of growth. The stated problem, the stated problem is that the Hellenistic Greek Jewish believers. Okay, so watch this umbrella. They're believers. But there are two, there are the Hebraic Jewish believers and the Greek Jewish believers. Let me throw this out to you while I'm thinking about it. Alexander the Great, his time was between the Testaments, between Malachi and Matthew. And what was Alexander the Great's purpose for our history majors? To spread Hellenism, which is to spread the Greek culture. Because he believed that the Greek culture was far superior than any other culture. So watch this. So we have those Greek Jewish believers that were impacted because of Alexander the Great. But watch this. The New Testament was written in what language? Greek. So most of the world could read it. All things are in God's control. All things. And all the history majors just just got chills thinking about that. So the Hellenistic Greek Jewish believers complained because their widows were being overlooked for food distribution. That's the stated problem. But I'm going to give you some some advice or some insight here. The stated problem is rarely the root problem. The stated problem is rarely the root problem. I'm going to give you a simple example. The wife says to the husband, can you take out the garbage? And he says, as soon as the game is over, and she responds stronger than what the garbage problem brings on. You understand? I know none of you understand what I'm talking about. No man in the room understands what I'm talking about. But watch this. This is just a dumb example to show you the stated problem. The stated problem is the garbage needs to go out. What's the root problem? You haven't been paying enough attention to your responsibilities as a husband, not just physically, but emotionally, you see? That's the root problem. It just comes out through the garbage. So the stated problem is the garbage, the root problem is the husband hasn't been paying attention enough. Men, can I just tell you something important? Listen, women are better at relationships than you are. That's just the way it works. If the wife senses that there's a relationship problem, she is right and you are wrong. Okay? Women's minds, God created them differently than us. Men, men, (laughs) men have this box in our brain that there's nothing there. And that's why we can sit and watch TV. And I do, men, everybody, I do the same thing. And we'll be watching something. What are you thinking about? And the answer is nothing. Not thinking about anything at all. Because we have this box. But a woman's brain is different in that they never stop thinking. And they're wired differently. So I'm sorry, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Anybody have a shovel for me here? But. Women never stop. Their mind is just, and every event is connected. That's why women never forget anything, and men forget everything. It's true, okay? So I'm telling you facts here. When it comes to relationship, listen to your wife. That was a side benefit of this sermon today. That's not the whole point. That's a side benefit for you, and some of the men are like, they're in their nothing box now because I can see the look on their face. They're going, and the women are going, I knew it. I knew it all along. I knew it. You know I can see all of you, right? Okay, I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out to you. I get joy just from scanning the audience here and who's, who's connecting and who's not. So anyway, the stated problem was they weren't being fed. I'm going to tell you what the real problem was in the early church, and it's the same problems uh, that we face in modern church and the church that is to come. So the Hebrew Jewish believers, they spoke Aramaic, they were probably better educated because they spoke Greek as well, they read the Old Testament in the Hebrew, the original language, they worshipped in the temple, they stayed in Jerusalem when others fled Jerusalem, so you can see from some of these things how they would think that they were better than other believers and they were certainly better than the Greek believers. See, the Greek believers, they didn't doubt that they were Christians, but they did doubt that they were on the same level because we never left our homeland. We, we, read, the, we read the Old Testament in the King James, or I mean in the Hebrew. Therefore, we are better than modern people. The Hellenists were Greek Jews that were part of the dispersion, Jews that migrated away from Jerusalem. They looked at it as if they had left the homeland. They only spoke Greek for the most part. They read the, they read the Old Testament. They read the Septuagint. If you know what that is, that's the Greek translation of the Hebrew. They didn't read it in the original language. I was going to make another King James crack, but I'm not going to do it. They only spoke Greek for the most part. They came back to Jerusalem later in life because they wanted to die in the homeland, but the Hebraic Jews considered them that they had left. They were probably wealthier than the Hebraic Jews because they were the ones that sold their property. So they were property owners that sold it for the benefit of the... They were probably wealthy enough to be able to leave where they lived and to live the rest of their life in Jerusalem. Can you see trouble brewing? And why was there trouble? Well, because there was people. That's why. There was people. So the stated problem is the... Hellenists, the Greek Jews weren't being fed or ministered to in the same way. But here's the real issue. It's the same issue for 2,000 years in the church and any organization that you're part of, cash, control, and culture. Cash, control, and culture. You can write that down when problems arise in any organization. It's one of those three things or all of those three things. Cash, who's controlling it? Who controls the Cash. Most of the money that came in to the early church was from the Greek believers, Greek Jewish believers, but it was all Hebrews that were controlling it. Most of the money that came in. Who was making all of the decisions for this new church? Not the Greek believers, it was the Hebrews. The Hebrew believers were making most of the decisions. Who's in control here in the culture? Culture. What is this church, what is that church going to be like And churches struggle with culture even now, and we go through times here at our church and have gone and will go through in the future. But what has to be established is what's culture and which Christianity. See, there's a big difference between culture and Christianity. I remember the day when I first came, I don't want to go too far into this, but I will, we had to wear suits every week. I never liked wearing suits. I'll just be honest, and I don't like wearing suits now. I don't like wearing ties. I only wear it when my wife makes me wear a tie because I always listen to my wife. (laughs) Okay, some of you are laughing a little harder than what is. Yeah, I (laughs) know. No. But what we wear within the parameters of modesty is culture, not Christianity. Christianity is the cross. See, Christianity is that Jesus loved us so much that he willingly died on the cross for our sins that we can receive the forgiveness of sins because of what Jesus has done, not because of what I have done. Not our works, but his work on the cross. That's Christianity. Other things are culture. And churches go crazy and have splits over culture. But it always includes cash, who's controlling the money, and control who's making all these decisions and who's going to establish what the culture is. So here's how it plays out in modern churches because, again, church is what I do. Uh, It plays out like this in modern churches, and I've not had this problem here. I'm just telling you these things to avoid these things in the future. I honestly have never had anyone tell me this at this church, but I've seen it in many, many churches we've been here the longest, we give the most, we should get what we want. Wow, careful now. Careful on this self-importance scale. I mean, if you've been here the longest, that's not fair to anybody else. So now the oldest member, whoever that is, (laughs) no, I won't say poor Liz, poor Liz. She's not even the oldest member. She's not even the oldest member of her family, but I'll stop there. I mean, do you see how this doesn't work? Well, I've been here the longest, therefore I get to... No. What happens in a church where those that have been here the longest and give the most make all of the decisions? It stagnates. It stagnates. Okay? Now, I'm going to be a little up front here. If you want to, I'm going to lift the veil a little bit for you. Okay? Lift the veil. It's good. But what would have happened when the pandemic hit and we didn't have all of the technology that we had. I'll tell you what happened. Look at churches that were struggling before the pandemic that are now closed and will never open again. See? Now, listen. Here's what would be so easy for me. So easy just to leave things the way they were when I got here 22 years ago. Oh, I wouldn't have had to do anything. Not that I wouldn't do anything. I mean the changes that were so hard. You know, I would have continued to minister, okay? But we wouldn't have made any of the changes that were so necessary in order for us to grow. And here we would be 22 years later with three people. See? But this church was always willing, whether they understood it or not, to go along because this church understand if we don't grow, we're going to die. If we don't reach new people, there'll be nothing left. So I'm not coming down on this church. I'm telling you, we had to make some of these changes and they weren't easy. It would have been easier for me to to never make a change. And I wouldn't have had the 10 billion phone conversations and people stopping into my office crying because we moved a chair. You have no idea what change is like. You have no idea what change is like for the leader unless you've led something, an organization, through infinite amount of changes. I didn't know your sister's friend's mother's neighbor donated that chair. I didn't know that. It was stained. It was ripped. That's why I threw it out. You don't have to come to the office crying because that chair reminds you of... I don't know. I didn't know. I don't know how I survived when we went from a little screen that no one could see, still using the overhead. I didn't make the jump to the big stuff yet. Okay? I waited patiently. I didn't know when we took the little screen out and got a bigger one so more people could actually see the words that that decision had risen up from hell itself and that I was the messenger of the demonic. I didn't know that. I just thought, wouldn't it be good if more people could see the words? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be a great way to minister to people that used to be able to see better but now can't see as well? That was my motivation. I could care less about the screen. Problems in church, it's always cash, it's always control, it's always culture. I have—I don't even have my wallet with me today, but I uh, have in my wallet uh, a note that was given in the offering years ago. Years ago when we got the projector and stuff. And on that note, it was wasn't signed. They didn't tell me who it was. And I still don't know to this day who it was. So I can still call them a coward without feeling guilty about it. They put in the offering and said, why can't we sing from the hymnal, underlined, every week? First of all, they were a coward. Second of all, on Pastor Appreciation Day, when I received that, I held it up and said, this is not how we do things here. If you have a problem, you can come and talk to me. Anybody remember that? I keep that in my wallet because it reminds me that churches need pastors and somebody's got to take the step to keep us going forward instead of keep us moving backwards. Do you understand? As we're hitting songs, I know you're going to hate me. It's fine. It's fine. Might as well go there while we're there. I'm tough. I have no feelings anymore. That's why, Ray, I say that you hurt this feeling because all my other ones are damaged. Gone. Not everybody that comes to church now is 80 years old and knows all the old songs that you and I know. And it's possible that some of the songs that are more modern minister to them more than songs they don't know. And it's possible they like some of the songs on K-Love and that ministers to them because they didn't grow up in church like we did. And it's possible that they worship more based on some other things than based on what we all like. Do you know how easy it would be for me to just sit at the piano myself and sing the same song over and over again? I wouldn't have to schedule anything. We wouldn't have to do the presentation software. I wouldn't have to uh, complain to the worship leaders to get their songs in so we don't have to call them up on Sunday morning. Uh, That we don't have to uh, make sure the technology is working, get the 30-foot ladder to clean the filter so that it works when we need it. That we wouldn't have to get the worship teams together, who's going to be here, who's not going to be here. Do we have anybody to play the drums? Do we have anybody that's going to sing? Yeah. Hey, let's knock ourselves out. Let's just sing the same songs over and over and over again. Because that's what I like. And isn't church all about? I was at a national convention one time, big, Assemblies of God, 10,000 people. Kids were young. We put them, not put them, we took them. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to lighten this. Let me tell you a couple more stories. We were at a convention in Florida, the big thing. Joseph was like 16. We left them because they didn't want to go to the service. We left them at the hotel. He was fine. Lindsay was whatever. We get a text. Well, 13. All right, whatever. We get a text. Can you bring us home food? And we're like, no, we already fed. He goes, well, Just so you know, there was a fire at the hotel. And I got Lindsay and we got out of there. We're safe. So he writes back. We're like, it turned out to be somebody burned a cookie. He writes back, I saved your baby girl and you can't bring me food. (laughs) So that was one of them. That's a great line. That's a great line. It's a great line. So anyway, we're at this thing. And I I had texted and caught up with some of my college friends. We're all, you know, about this age category. And we walk into the service after having our kids go to their children's thing and the music was so loud and it was so dark and it was just songs I didn't know. The songs didn't have a hook. They weren't singable. They were long. And so me and a couple of friends, we weren't even sitting together, ended up out in the lobby at this national convention. And the first thing we said when we looked at each other was, when did we get so old? (laughs) We were the ones stirring up problems for so many years. And now here we are because the music's too loud. But the second thought was there was about 5,000 youth there that ran to the front that worshiped the Lord to this music that I didn't like and still don't like. And we were willing to say, maybe it's good that we can reach the next generation so the church can continue on long after we're gone. It's always Cash. How's the money being spent? It's always control who's making the decisions, and it's always culture. I don't like that. Well, let's make sure that we're talking about Christianity and that we don't like or we do like. All right. Now, that's long. The rest of my points are short. But I had to lay this out here. So verse 2. So I spent 25 minutes on verse 1. I'm going to roll through these next ones quickly. Are you ready? Ready? Conflict resolution, the first thing, define the real problem, not the stated problem. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Number two in conflict resolution, what is the priority or the larger purpose? Let's find what we can agree on. The apostle said we have to stick to the word. That's what God has called us to do. So we need others that are going to take care of that responsibility. So they focused on the word. Here's another sideline. I'm not going to spend time on it. I've already spent too much time uh, on it outside. Uh, Agree on what can be agreed upon. When you're settling a problem and a conflict, agree on what can be agreed upon. And here's another side thing. Relationship is more important than winning the argument. Because you can win an argument and destroy the relationship. Okay? Relationship is more important than winning the argument. Or I think I have in my uh, notes here, relationship is more important than being right. Okay? So they found what their purpose was, and that was for the word of God to continue to go out. Verse 3, brothers and sisters... Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom and we will turn this responsibility over to them. Number three in conflict resolution, seek, win, win, which is mutually beneficial to both parties. Don't seek, I win, you lose. And I'm going to win at all costs. See, you, yeah, you probably will win but ultimately you'll lose, okay? So we don't seek, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. That's where divisions and stuff pop in, okay? We don't seek, you win, I lose again. Because here's what happens when you always give in. Because you're human, resentment grows. Because it's okay the first time because you just kept peace, but underlying there's resentment and bitterness that's growing, and it's going to come out. It's going to come out. That's why, and again, this happens. I've, I've, you know, I know that it happens, but you'll look at a relationship. There's a couple reasons, but married 30, 40 years, and all of a sudden they're divorced, and you think, what in the world? Well, that problem didn't start at 30 years. It started at three years, three days, three weeks, and it was never dealt with, but they could pour themselves into their children, ignore the issues, and then when the children were gone, all the issues were there and greater, okay? This is just fact, okay? So it's not, okay, I'll let you win and I'll lose again. I'll just sacrifice. No, it's going to build, build. You want win-win. It's also not lose-lose. Well, if I'm not going to get my way, you're not going to get my way. That's just mean. Then nobody's going to get their way. Grow up. Grow up. Strap on your big boy pants. Grow up. Nobody's ever accused me of not understanding me. They haven't always liked what I've said. But I'm a communicator. It's not compromise all the time. We think relationships are about compromise. Compromise all the time leads to resentment and the real problem never gets settled. Compromise is based on insecurity. The disciples said this, we can't do it all. We have to keep the main thing the main thing. And so, four, they gave others a choice in the matter. Leaders, if you're leading your home, you're leading um, an organization, you're a leader in church, you're a leader of a ministry, you're a leader of what? Don't be a dictator, be a coach. Don't just bark out orders and people have to do it. Because they'll do it at first, but eventually they'll turn on you because you're only thinking about yourself and not them. But if you invest people in people for their benefit and not yours, they'll be with you for a long time. My, my dad always said, you wanna build loyalty, not rules. Because if you have loyalty, you don't need a lot of rules. So leaders, don't be a dictator, be a, be a coach. And they told them, choose from among yourselves within these parameters, full of the spirit and full of wisdom, choose men that have recognizable fruit, okay? Choose a solution that we can agree upon and that there's a recognizable fruit. Verse four, and we will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word, win-win. The Greeks were going to be ministered to and the word and prayer was going to continue on, win-win. The disciples, the apostles, could have said, and wrongly so, well, we're just going to keep preaching the word, and you take care of yourselves. No, that's not addressing the problem at all. They ended up win-win. They were being ministered to. They were going to have their own leaders, which I'll explain, and the apostles continued to preach the word and pray. See? This, look at verse 5. This proposal pleased the whole group win-win. Now, I'm going to give you some other advice. Some people are just so miserable that it doesn't matter what you do, they're not going to go along with it. Here's a, something for you as a leader. The train doesn't stop every time a dog barks at it. Think about it. The train doesn't stop every time a dog barks at it. Sometimes as a leader, you got to keep going. Find people around you that are humble enough to work together and don't have their own agenda we say this as it's so easy this proposal please the whole group listen you're going to have people in your life it doesn't matter what you do you will never please them they think if you stand on this leg they'll be happy if I just do this they'll be happy nope I'll switch I'll just do this and they'll be happy you know what's going to happen they're never going to be happy and you're going to be exhausted Stunned silence, that's what that is, stunned. You know, I didn't preach last week. That's why I've had two weeks to let this nurture. It's like good sauce, you let it cook until it just infiltrates every part of you. So this proposal pleased the whole group and they chose Stephen. You know that name in Acts? That's next week. A man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, recognizable fruits. Also, Philip Prochorus, Nicanor, it's probably not Timon, as in Timon and Pumbaa. If you get that joke, it's probably Timon. Uh, Ray, that was a good joke, Ray. Parmenius Nicholas from Antioch. A convert convert to Judaism. Do you know what all of these men have in common besides being filled with the spirit and wisdom? Anybody? They were Greek. They were Greek. The Greeks needed other Greeks to minister to them. As the apostles were still ministering to the Hebraic believers they needed greeks that could minister to other greek believers here's missions 101 we they call e1 evangelism if you're going to another country that's why the assemblies does what it does we train national leaders to reach national people because you're always, it's always easier to reach someone when you speak their language and know their culture. That doesn't mean that it's impossible for someone to go in cross-culturally. But even when they go in cross-culturally as an apostle, they begin the ministry, they establish Bible schools, which Tim and Beth have been so great at, establishing Bible schools to teach the people from that nation that already know the culture and the language to reach people that are like them. That's the way it works best. So through the Holy Spirit and God's wisdom and the apostles and the agreement that they had, the Greeks chose other Greeks to minister to them. It was a perfect win-win situation. They presented the men to the apostles who prayed, laid their hands on them. In the middle of conflict, asked the Lord to lead and asked the Lord to bless, 5 and 6, verse 7, and I'm done. All God's people said, amen. You're going to be exhausted when you leave here today. Verse 7, what's it say? So the word of God spread. spread. Do you see our theme verse? Why did the word of God spread? Because the people of God solve the problem of people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that type of church is unstoppable. Glory to God. Again, if you've been in church, don't think I'm hitting at people because we have all these problems in the background. We really don't. And you know why we haven't had all these problems? Because I talk like this for 22 years. We talk about real life, real people. Oh, if we could just gather around and do, yeah, okay, good. That's not real life. Real life is when we don't get along, what are we going to do about it? Real life is when I'm not sure about that decision, why are we doing that, and how we handle it. That's real life. Okay, so the word of God Spread the people of God solving the problem of people through the power of the Holy Spirit. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased what? Rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Those that had rejected Jesus and were instrumental in his crucifixion now accepted this Jesus as Lord and Savior. When they saw the people of God deal with the problems of people with love, they were transformed. I'm going to get to this in a few weeks. When Paul was holding the coats of the people that were stoning Stephen, and Stephen cried out to God in love, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Something happened in Saul Paul's life when he saw the love of God lived out through the people of God. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm just going to keep preaching. Why has the modern church in America become known for everything we're against? We're against this, we're against that, we're against that. We're gonna boycott this, we're gonna boycott that. And then we complain about the cancel culture. The modern church was the first one to begin to cancel culture. Don't go to Disney, don't go to here, don't go to there, don't buy this, don't buy that, don't buy something else. Then it comes back around and we're complaining. I'm not in favor of some of the lifestyles that are prevalent in our world today, but I love those people. I don't hate them. My heart breaks for those that are so confused. My heart breaks for those that are involved in lifestyle, whether hetero or homosexual lifestyles, that are outside of the will and the, 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 the place of God. To, oh, boy, oh, boy. Two heterosexual people living together outside of marriage is also a sin before God. It's also a lifestyle sin, not a mistake. It's an absolute choice. what do we do with them? Not here, but they're made board members in other churches. Jesus said this, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples. You make a stand for what you're against. You make sure you condemn those that are in the world. Paul said, take care of the church. God will take care of the world. Jesus said, make sure you condemn everything that you don't agree with. Make sure you make those people feel less than. Then they'll know, then they'll know. No, Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love and specifically by your love for one another. Let's say Ray and I disagreed and I represent the Hebraic Jews, he represents the Greek Jews, and Sarah was a priest, which wouldn't have been allowed, but let's just say, she watched this dynamic take place. She watched the tension that was happening, but at the end of the day, we solved the problem because Ray and I love God and love each other, and Sarah looked as an outsider and said, wow, I've never seen that kind of love before because everything I've always experienced is I'm going to win, you're going to lose, And many priests came. Why? Because they saw the love of the church. Listen, if we're going to reach this culture and the people that didn't grow up the way we grew up, they don't think the way we think, they don't act the way we think, we're not, we're not justifying their sin, but sinners sin. And the only way we're going to reach people, not just the extremes, But your neighbors and friends and family is by love. I can't get into. I could. I'm not. I'm tired. You're tired. It doesn't mean we accept everything and it's okay. That's not love. If if Ray's house is burning and I don't tell him to get out of that house, that's not love. Oh, I love Ray too much to tell him to get out of the house. That's not love. You know, that's not love. It doesn't mean we tear down the standards. It means what Jesus did to the adulterous woman, go and and sin no more. Grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And I think we've had a lot of truth and not a whole lot of grace. And we need to balance it out again that many might know. That's the only goal that you continue to serve God and that many might know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that he takes them from death to life and then the Holy Spirit begins the cleaning up process. I'm not the cleaner. I'm the pointer. I just point people to Jesus and I know the love he has for me and I know he, the love he has for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should have everlasting life. The people of God solving the problems of people through the power of the Holy Spirit is a church that's unstoppable. And all God's people said. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.